And what did you say, granddaddy? My grandfather got that sly look he would always get when he was getting ready to tell you something funny or something deep. And he said, I don't know about them other folks and all the fancy talk they got going on. But all I know is when I look in the Bible, every time the Lord wanted to bless somebody, he said, go take this land. And there you have it. My grandfather's wisdom on how to gain power. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And I want to thank you for joining me. So come on in. Let's get cozy. And I'll see you on the flip. So I'm currently working on a book, well, it's a series that has to deal with uh, a person who is into spices. And I am doing some research going back to the spice trade of um, ancient times. And I come across the spice road or the silk road, I should say. And it was so intriguing going through uh, the history of it, how uh, political it was, how many times it was um, taken, dismantled, uh, just the whole history of how we get to and from things. And it got me to thinking about what my grandfather said about land. He was a big proponent of having land. So much so that that has been something in my family. Uh, You need to own some piece of land. He was very attached to the tangibleness, the permacy of of land. And uh, so that was kind of like a legacy of his. And you know how some people are gold bugs? Well, my grandfather was a land bug (laughs) and it, uh, it, it rubbed off on us. But there was something else that I uh, came across recently, and I was just freaking amazed. Uh, As you probably know by now, I love books. Uh, I love to read them. I especially love to listen to them when I go on my my daily constitutions, aka my walks, and um, I, I get so enamored with how uh, thoughts are conveyed and allowed to set up residence in your mind and you can configure them however you like. Uh, But this particular book, I I didn't expect for it to (laughs) be as enjoyable as it was. It was a curiosity. Uh, You know, I I do that. I pick up books out of curiosity. And so I uh, listened to this one. This one was an audio book and I was like, whoa. And some of the things that they were saying in there, it got me to um, thinking. I was like shaking my head, you know, as I'm walking and listening. I'm like, oh my gosh, who knew this existed? And this book, I'm just going to give you the title. And I just want to preface this by saying this is not a political statement. This is nothing to do with politics. As you guys know, I keep this family friendly. I keep this middle of the road. I am not trying to be polarizing. Not at this particular time. Now, I'm a, I, I have prerogative of changing my mind. But for this particular time and podcast, not polarizing at all. But the name of the book is called The Dictator's Handbook. And it is a political book. It is, uh, now let me just say it, it was written prior to the current administration. And it uh, was written with as much, I don't want to say non-bias, because they do look at different uh, leaders, dictators, countries, and the like. But the insights are there. So 
I'm going to I'm going to say I recommend this book and I'm going to say when and if you read it, read it with an open mind to be able to, as I like to say, eat the fish, leave the bones. Okay, so let's get to it. All right. So my grandfather's this lamb bug, right? I'm studying the Silk Road and I'm uh, seeing a lot of different things kind of like and synchronizing themselves together. And I realized something that, yeah, my grandfather was right. You have to, you know, he or she who who owns the land has the power. But I'm going to also say this. He or she who builds the roads or the transportation on that land owns, uh, can keep the power. So I'm going to say that one again because I kind of stumbled over it. So he or she who owns the land has the power. He or she who builds transportation on that land keeps the power. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, all roads (laughs) uh, lead to power uh, physically and metaphorically. So take a take a trip with me down uh, memory lane, if you will. And I have this wonderful idea that I'm going to go to the courthouse steps and I'm going to buy some raw lamb because guess what? I'm a lamb bug, right? I go, I am successful. I purchase the land. I wait the prerequisite time before I can claim it. I do all the things that the local county government says. I pay the taxes. I do all that stuff. And then I go uh, and check out the land, you know, uh, right before I'm about to make sure it reverts over to me. And lo and behold, the land is encumbered by other land, meaning that it's somebody else's land in front of the land that I own from the road. But guess what? I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with that because at the time I'm buying it, I already know because I was intrepid and I looked to see uh, where the trend was for developers coming through to purchase land. And I know that this land is going to be up uh, for consideration in about a year or two. And I'm going to be holding this land that they they need to get through. So I'm fine with it. Um, I don't contact the other owner to try to get access to the land. I just wait. And guess what happened? You guessed it. Now, this was a sliver of land. And I strategically bought it because it was a sliver of land. And it was, (coughs) excuse me, sorry, you guys. It was, um, like I said, it was encumbered on all sides by two other owners. So uh, the one in the front also... um, her land wrapped around to the to the side and back of it and then they had another owner whose land buttressed up on the other side of it and um i think i had it just under three years before the person the representative for the um developer came a call it now the thing is is they try to be slick (laughs) and and so they made it as personable as possible and um I knew that the way my land was situated, it wasn't large enough to do much with it, except for, are you ready for this? Build a road on it. (laughs) And um, I'm laughing because I just love it when old wisdom prevails. And it did. And so that's what ended up happening. Um, I made a great 
profit on that little sliver of land um, because I waited until they had made uh, their overtures to the other owners of the other land. And thus I had comparables uh, that I could tell what the true value was. Uh, and so when we went to closing, I it was it, it was no haggling. I didn't do that. They knew that I knew because I told them what my, you know, what my asking price was and all of that. And we did it. And so that was one of the times when it did work. I don't want to talk about that time in Florida. That's a, that's another situation. But anyway, I digress. Let me get back on this. So I learned that uh, it was really uh, powerful to own not only the land, but the road. So what does this book, The Dictator's Handbook, have to do with anything? Well, I'm going to tell you, it has quite a lot. So in this book, and like I said, I encourage you to read it. It's a great book. They have a section called Infrastructure. And in the infrastructure section, they talk about the difference between autocrats or dictators and um, democracies and governments who uh, have a bent towards the people instead of towards the wealthy and powerful. Okay, so they tell the story of an African dictator. And when he takes over in a particular country, there are 90,000 miles of road in this country. By the time his reign is over, after 32 years, it is down to 6,000. And he was brilliant. He was uh, said to have told someone else nearby who had uh, been overthrown that he was like, I've been in power for 32 years and I have built zero roads. And he told them, he was like, look, you built all those roads, you got greedy, and now they're using your roads to come get you. And I was like, what? So they had a summation that I really liked. And let me see if I can get it right. Uh, they said, um, it, it, it's, they summed it up this way. If you're going to be in complete total power, then when you're dealing with roads on, on land, and especially if it's a community, a country or whatever, you want the least viable. You want just the number of roads that can allow you to market and trade so that you can, can, you know, continue to have money for your people, money for your taxes and all of that. So roads to the market, of course. Roads to get you out of the country, of course. Other roads that lead to other places, no way. <laughs> or, or what they call wrong places. Now, why is that so important? And why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because I now see that where, you know, as it is above, so it is below. You know, pardon me for my alchemical references because I love me some alchemy. Uh, but I do understand that the tangible is a representative of uh, the intangible. And I am currently seeing a lot of mental land being gobbled up and people starting to be able to control that land. So why is that something that I, I, I want to say? I want to say that because when we look at just the infrastructure of anything, if you don't have an infrastructure that is stable, balanced, and uh, foundationally uh, secure, then everything crumbles. I'm going to have to give another shout out to, to my guy, Mr. Seth Godin. 
And I think I've mentioned to you guys Seth's blog, and it's Seth's with an S dot blog. So instead of com is dot blog. Check him out. He writes something usually every day. And I mean, I'm, I'm trying to emulate him by, by leaving my legacy with you guys with these podcasts. But he said something that was uh, really cool recently, too, that got me really thinking back on uh, my take on, you know, roads to power. And he talked about roads and buildings. <laughs> what he said was um, that he referenced this other guy, Stephen Bland or somebody, uh, Stephen Brand, I think. He referenced a study that this guy did of Boston uh, from the 1800s to the 1900s. So a hundred year study. I think it was 1860 to 1960. And he said, looking at the map, the buildings that were built had come and gone. But the roads, the roads stayed the same. And the, and so he got me to thinking again about the permanence of the roads. Now, why am I doing all this thinking? Well, um, in part because I am working on this series of this spice trader. And I'm looking at ways to express the world of the spice trader so that my readers get in ensconced into this world and I'm looking at I'm like wow people fight over land but if you can't put transportation on that land you are sunk so now I'm going to flip back over to uh, the dictator's handbook and yes you know me you guys I'm going to put a link to the dictator's handbook in um in the uh, description so check it out and I'm going to actually I think I'm going to put the audio book because I think that will be pretty cool for you to lo- listen to on your commutes and things like that that is of course after you have listened to my daily podcast wink wink okay and okay so back in the dictator's handbook it was so freaking awesome they said that autocrats when they control land the way they choose to build the roads now I already told you they allow roads for trade, right? And they allow roads uh, into and out of the country, but they don't allow roads to other areas. But when I was looking at the Silk Road, I learned something that the Silk Road was responsible for the transport of religions, of, of thought, of intermingling of um, ethnicities, of spices, of silks, of trade, of um, uprisings, political um, changes in thought, so many different things. And thus it became, the road itself became uh, the, the most valued thing where you had dynasties fighting for control of this road. So much so that there became well, prior to this, uh, the big uh, way we know of the Silk Road, prior to this and, and thereafter, there was always a quote-unquote royal road in addition to the, to the Silk Road. And that royal road was the straightest way into and out of a country. Why? Because if anything ever went down and someone was trying to get to you, then you wanted the fastest way out or in. But you had to control both sides. And because you had to control both sides, you wanted it to be straight so that you could put your people on it and you could keep it closed and keep it private. Um, In uh, the Dictator's Handbook, they talked about how dictators are really good at having either a straight road on their private property 
to an airport or a helicopter uh, place to land. But they tend to, if they have rolls, especially rolls to market, they want to make them curvy. They want to make them cumbersome. And they want to keep them just above uh, the level of being condemned because they don't want people to be willing to take a stroll down the road because they have learned from the lessons learned of the uh, uh, taken from the Silk Road. And then looking at that, we can go back and we can also see how there is a difference between how uh, people who want absolute power and to control absolutely handle their land and their roads as compared to how democracies handle them. So I don't know about you, but when I go to the airport and I live in the Atlanta metropolitan area, I um, have the interstate that I can go to. And it's not a straight route, but it's pretty simple. I make kind of like a, a, a long L to get there. And so I must say, that I make a long ale from my house. That's quite a ways away because of an infrastructure done in a democratic society. If I were to live in a society where it was not as much for infrastructure for the people as opposed for infrastructure for the powerful, then that 45 minute drive might take me two days to get to the same place because roads are controlled by either the people or the or the political powers and those roads are the are the power of the infrastructure and if you want to know where a society is and I mean, I got this. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to steal the shine of this book, but I got this understanding a little bit more because of how this book laid it out. If you want to know the propensity of a society to continue to excel and to grow and to be economically and technologically advanced, look at their their uh, infrastructure, look at their highways, look at their their roads, look at how easy or how cumbersome it is for them to get to airports, for them to get to hospitals, for them to get to schools, and all of the things that advance the people. If you are in a place and it is easy to get to downtown where everybody has to meet to worship something, but it's real hard getting back to your neighborhood or your house or to your school or to some place for uh, help when you're sick, then that's a pretty good indication that your society is probably set up to help the powerful stay in power. Now, let me flip this because this is my, my wisdom smack when I was thinking about um, how I'm, I'm working on this world of this fictitious character that I'm writing for this book that involves spices. So now I'm looking at what I have gleaned from how infrastructure in the physical works to how infrastructure in the imaginative or the intangible works. And I'm looking at who controls the most direct routes to uh, freedoms and to these types of things. And I, I'm, I'm realizing that there are certain um, highways Yep, there are certain routes to success in life. And a lot of these routes are on private roads. And these private roads, I used to think 
that these private roads were behind the paywall gates of universities and higher education. And now I'm learning, and and I even thought that it was getting the, the right job. But now when I am learning, or at this particular time, bear with me, you guys, I am learning that the roads to intangible, the intangible roads to power, I should say, are the roads that make connection between uh, people and things. You see, those in power are still trying to set up their quote-unquote silk roads. One of them, uh, bitcoins, digital currencies. Another one, uh, I remember, and it's so funny that it was named this, but it was called the Dark Web's Silk Road, where um, people who did not want to go through the powers that be would trade with each other on this digital uh, road underneath the proper, the prim and proper daylight internet to go down in the sewers and and uh, and do that. Um, another uh, uh, way of roads, intangible roads that I'm starting to see is the use of apps. Yes, apps. So, um, <laughs> We have some some cunning people in this here world. We just do. And the way they're owning their digital land is where they make inroads for people to connect with other people socially. And what they do is just like um, a toll road because they own the land and they own the digital road. They say you could travel for free, but there will be advertising along the way. And what they do is they make you stop at certain little points and either you pay to get your time back, a.k.a. to get another level or another gym or whatever if you're playing a game, or you pay to be able to unlock uh, another uh, highway or another road to get to something else. Levels of play, levels of uh, access through the apps and all of these things. Now, along the way, what they are doing is they are getting uh, your digital signature of what you do. So just like when they had travelers along these roads, there were things that they allowed to spring up that had to pay to play along the Silk Road, like inns, you know, places to stay, uh, mercantile places to buy and exchange out equipment and horses and that kind of stuff. And all of that, uh, they they had to pay to be there or pay, you know, the king or the dynasty, whoever controlled it. Well, these days you're on these digital roads and what they're doing is, is they're saying, yeah, it's free. Um, and uh, just some ads here, or you can buy loot inside, you know, as you want to, you know, play. But for the most part, their digital road size are um, watching you as you buy stuff, watching you as you hit keystrokes and watching you to figure out how you do what you do so that they can guess what? Build better roads to keep you in this circular, uh, circuitous route to never get to the straight and narrow of what you're looking for. And so I was like, wow, this is amazing. Let me ask you this. Have you ever gotten caught in a maze of an app 
because you were curious and you just kept going through, kept going to the next level, kept doing this, kept doing that. It's <laughs> to me, it looks like the mental machinations of a of a Las Vegas casino. You know how Las Vegas casinos are famous for their architecture of doing everything they can to keep you walking around in different circles to never find the exit out of that place. And that's how I am seeing how people with the power of the rose, whether they be tangible or intangible, are able to make vast amounts of money off of the people. Because the longer you stay on the road, the more you'll need resources, a place to stay, food to eat, uh, to replace your uh, products and your supplies that run out. And so you tend to buy stuff in the travels of the road. And that's what happens digitally now. And that's how you can have an app that's set up for free, making hundreds of millions of dollars per day. Because now these are the intangible roads to power where they own the mental land or the digital land. I don't want to say mental yet because we're not there yet, but they own the digital land. But they also are the purveyors and the makers of the roads to transverse that land. And you travel on those roads as fast or as slow, as inexpensive or as expensive as they deem. And believe you me, they always have a straight route in and out that is highly protected, (laughs) you know, and they always make sure that there are only enough roads in their digital land for trade, meaning for markets for you to pay. And there are no roads leading to other things where you can hack their system, take over their land, usurp it or whatever. We currently see that in our social media, in our apps, and all of these other things. We are now to the point where there's becoming a rebellion of people who want to get off of so certain social medias because they're tired of people tracking their stay and doing algorithms or creating algorithms to keep them, to keep them inside these uh ever-winding roads that keep you locked within this land that they control. And I'm just amazed at how just by me deciding I'm going to finally write one of these books that one of these, um, I'm not going to tell how many, but one of these series that I've been meaning to write and the research and how it's been leading me back to all of these little things. When it started with my grandfather, just even talking about whenever the Lord wanted to bless someone, he said, go take this land. And it also got to got me thinking thinking about um, the uh, uh, not the not just the Silk Road, but the story of Disney World, and how that's a perfect physical example. Back in the fifties, when Walt Disney wanted to expand his Disneyland, he uh, heard tale of inexpensive land in uh, Florida. But the land was swamp land. It wasn't useful for much of anything. But still, he bought it because he needed to get a good deal. And so he bought the land and he built it up. And you know what he he also did? He also got uh, the infrastructure. He was right on time to make sure that highways, good highways and things were built to bring people to and from his Disney world without 
major uh, issues, straight routes. Now, this is the most brilliant part about it. When you go to Disney World, Universal Land of um, uh, Islands of Adventure and all of that kind of stuff, the road, uh, the roads are uh, paved and they are wide and they make sure that they lead you in routes to make sure that you see everything in those parks. And so they are not a straight to the back and straight to the front. No, they are done in queues and circles and everything. If you would just take like a few days and, and look at the logistics of how they managed to get so many people in these parks in close proximity where people are not feeling like they're crowded in, it's a, a major um, civil engineering marvel of what they do. But they own the land and they own the roads. So it's not like you're just going to run in and go to Harry Potter uh, <laughs> and run back out. No, they're going to make you go through. If you want to get there, they're going to make you either go through um, Toontown and the Avengers and all this kind of stuff. Now, yeah, they'll put you on a train to and from the different uh, parks, but it's still going to be a big deal to make you uh, take advantage of all the other stuff and give you as many opportunities as possible to, you guessed it, buy things that are marketed to you. So it's about that time. I I think I almost feel like I need to do another podcast of just exploring how roads to power really work and what we really are doing because it's almost like there's a puppet master. You know, my grandfather said, own your land. And I'm learning that not only do you own your land, you need to own your roads so that when people come on your land, you control it. (laughs) Uh, The wisdom smack, simply put, is that so is above, so is below. For the land, physical land that we have, there is now a rush on digital land and people building out roads that control you while you're on their digital land. So much so that there is a term called digital sharecropping. Look it up. I don't have time to explain it today because guess what? My time is up and I sure do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. And hey, if you like this podcast and any of the others, please consider sharing, commenting. And if you really want to support us, consider using our show's uh, podcast link for Amazon. It'll take you directly to Amazon. And if you shop on there and purchase something within a certain amount of time, this podcast may get a commission. Nope. We don't see what you buy. We don't care. I just want you to know that I appreciate you. And that link is michellespiva.com at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.